Well, I have the privilege to work both nationally in Sweden with uh, health promotion and prevention work uh, in a mission called Strategy for Health. And uh, also I have uh, many years behind me in the region of Jönköping County. And I've been uh, the public health director there for 10 years. But I, I left that now just to work more more nationally, but I still have a part of my, my role there in, in Jönköping as well. My name is Tracy Herlihy. I'm the Head of Patient Safety Incident Response Policy at NHS England. Um, so I work in the National Patient Safety Team. Um, so I don't have a clinical background, but I have more of a background in human factors, patient safety, um, in applied psychology, investigation, and so on. One of the key focuses we have um, in Copenhagen is, is bringing the community together around health and well-being. So both the the, the sessions um, I'm running there is, is both from actually using uh, community-based data and to make that data more actionable in a community setting in, uh, involving people. And, and to make that happen, we can see that we need both to focus on the protective factors for health as well as the risk factors. You know, healthcare is very used on using risk factors, but if we want to create passion and will to change in, in community actors, such as schools and, uh, you know, uh, uh, people working in, in uh, sports or cultural, we have to focus also on the health promotion side and uh, on the protective side. Last time we spoke a couple of years ago, we were talking about health inequalities and post pandemic and the very hard lives that a lot a lot of us are leading and the the challenges in society it feels like a lot of people have kind of given up on the system that they live within and i think the kind of micro approach the community based approach the working together to help each other is a logical solution to that in some ways isn't it you know i don't trust my government <laughs> i'm struggling to get the support i need so let's do something locally one of the sessions we run here is called uh, "What's Next After COVID-19." As you mentioned here, I think it's it's a lot about trust. I think we we spoke about that last year also. That that what how does the trust system look in a community-based system? And I think that it's not only healthcare that is a part of the trust system. I think school is one example. Uh, that is uh, reaching out not only to the children, but also to their parents and relatives and so on. So that's an important part of it in the trust system. But also, you know, uh, friends and the social relations around my life and so on. Who, who are the key persons that I uh, take uh, health or unhealthy decisions for my life together with? So, so it's, I think it's an important part to... to um, look look at the health system from a microsystem perspective and to also uh, adapt the strategies we make from a microsystem perspective we can build uh, concepts and uh, and so on from a, from a county or national level but they have to be adapted as well from a local uh, point of view i think so maybe you could give us some examples of what's happening on the ground. I'm, I'm interested particularly in kind of mental health prevention 
I know a lot of your work is focusing around population health and kind of prevention approaches. You know, youth mental health, for example, is hugely on the rise, huge concerns, very poor um, access to help for a lot of young people. The system is really struggling. How do you see kind of local community-based solutions to that? And particularly around the kind of multi-agency working together, I'm thinking schools and healthcare and social care. Yeah, tell us a bit about how that works. Yeah, we, we try to uh, enlighten uh, bright spots from around Sweden where it's not only good examples, but something sustainable as well. <laughs> because I think the sustainability is something really crucial when it comes to mental health. You can't do a, a, a short-term project and then evaluate it and then you move to the next next project. I think that project fatigue is is one of the problems that we need to build more sustainability. And one, one of the examples we uh, enlighten is both from the Jönköping County, where we have a system of family centers. And now uh, in all the municipalities, uh, we have 13 municipalities. Uh, and that is a way to bring together social care, maternity care, uh, open preschool uh, in one place. Uh, so it's more of an integrated, local-based uh, um, team effort, you can say, to meet, for example, mental health, but a lot of other things as well. And that we have tried now to what happens after that first time in your life when you're really small uh, then we have to build maybe a, a student health center where it's more connected between the municipality resources, uh, the mental health uh, support system from the hospital and primary care and so on. So we try to build uh, that kind of infrastructure. And uh, now also we have uh, um, health centers for, for, for uh, adults as well so we try to connect that as, as well so that that's one one example of it we also make a a visit to malmo which is in the south of sweden is one of the examples as well where the work in a global concept called communities that care and um, that is also a, a fantastic example because it's based on putting uh conversations with young people within the school framing. So that's where you put questions around mental health, uh, protective factors, risk factors, and so on. And from that, they build community teams to work to uh, promote safety, promote mental health, and so on, as well as trying to decrease the risk factors. And they uh, have uh, been around, I think they've been working there for five or six years now. And they can really see from the measures that they are really decreasing the risk factors and increasing the protective factors. But now they move from doing this in, in some uh, pilot uh, uh, schools and communities. They now bring it to the whole Malmö city. How do you make sure that those sorts of centers you're talking about the family centers there and the kind of student health centers how do you make sure that they are accessible to the people who really need them a parent is born when you become a, a parent you, you you are born to a new role and within that you have the perfect opportunity to talk around health so uh, when you 
become uh, a parent and uh, a family, then you are invited to to uh, child health, of course. And child health, uh, I think it's around 98 or 99 percent of the parents are coming to child health when you become a. So that's the whole of the population. And from that, the family center is connected in the same building, which is great. So within that, you have the open preschool where you come not because you're sick or you have problems, you want to be there because it's fun to be there. The children can play. And, and at the same time, you have that early detection system from the social care and so on. If something needs to be handled, we can do that as well. But I think that's a good starting point to work from where the, the families already are and work from that. The model you're describing sounds great. And you're talking about, you know, community groups, charities, potentially government funded organizations, I guess, researchers, all sorts of different organizations working together to find out what works and then build it in a sustainable way. Those groups traditionally have found it difficult to work together for all sorts of reasons. Uh, money is often a big one that sometimes the academics have and the charities don't. How have you kind of managed that? working together so that it actually does work for all the different organizations? Well, I think it's uh, um, in one of the sessions we tried to explore keys to tackle health inequalities, you can say. And uh, and, and one has been really on uh, what I said before. We can hear from, especially in, uh, in uh, local areas with a lot of social uh, inequalities and challenges, we can hear that uh, project fatigue, as we were talking about before. Uh, a lot of uh, national actors and uh, regional actors do, you know, projects. They're often, as you said, uh, financed from external actors and not from the actual system. Uh, so I think that it is a, a key thing to to uh, really build from a sustainable and, and then you have to involve, you know, the, the politicians from both municipality side and the regional or healthcare side, uh, as we have done in, in Jönköping County. But but uh, uh, we don't, we can't afford to make an, another new project. That's uh, uh, one of the key findings we can see. Um, another thing is uh, the data. Uh, how can we make a strong call for action uh, and connect local data into something uh, illustrative? One of the, the examples we have also on one of the sessions is from uh, region Östergötland, north of Jönköping. And they, they have pulled off something they call uh, uh, area local area profiles, where they really have connected uh, community data, healthcare data, uh, society data into one one uh, space, you can say, where it's easy both from uh, bo both for community but also from healthcare to uh, put up that data as as uh, as a ground for priorities and uh, conversations on what to do to do together. So I think it's not only the, the passion, we also have the, the precision, as we say, to, to really um, follow who we need to, to um, invite, especially.
So talk to me a bit about how you moved then from kind of local project-based QI kind of methodology to more of a sort of national, sustainable, because presumably at some point you need the political will and money to, to turn it into something bigger scale. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a magic question you put there because it's uh, you have to get some measures, for example, that are comparable on a national level and so on. That could be around uh, the number of students uh, finishing school, for example. That's a typical national measure. But what is uh, a progress measure on a community-based work? You know, that could be from another thing. It could be around uh, parental support or it could be around, uh, uh, you know, uh, the... the uh, collaboration between as i said before school and, and healthcare and so on so it's a lot around the process measures as well not only the, the actual output so it's uh, uh we have tried to for example in in Jönköping county we we have we have this initiative which is political around uh, the best pay, place to live so within that concept on being the best place, which is, I know it's a common common uh, thing in many places around the world, but then we have uh, brought up three measures that should be sustainable over time for the whole county. And that is around mental health, it's uh, uh, finishing school, and it's uh, physical activity. So those three is measured continuously but then on a local basis, there could be, of course, different uh, strategies and so on. So, uh, um, yeah, the measurement system is, uh, is exciting to talk about, yes. So tell us a bit about these the, the sessions that you're running in, in Copenhagen. I mean, give us, give us a kind of an advert for these why should people come to these these two sessions yeah the building bridges se session is uh, is really on on connecting communities to be the best place to live so if you're interested on how to create uh, energy for change and uh, also what we have learned in a collaboration between scotland and john shopping and the cincinnati uh, then it's a good opportunity to take home some some important uh, messages from that work, um, and we will also do some uh, study visits. You can say to bright spots from from parts of Sweden and so on, so which has accomplished results, actual results for the population and so on. So that could also be interesting to take part of. I think. What next after COVID nineteen session? Precision and passion. Tell us about that. Yes, sometimes I'm not sure about you, but sometimes, sometimes a session is more attractive to the the data people, you know, the precision work, and another session is uh, the heart and the passion and so on. We've tried to connect them both in that, so it's really on precision and passion, passion, uh, the art of making population health actionable, and uh, uh, we really try to to look on that side from. How can you work more data driven from a local uh, perspective and and uh, to create that sustainable foundation, as we said, we talked a lot on the, the project fatigue challenge, but how can you build that sustainable foundation for local community health promoting work and so on, and also how to be more, you know, street smart and uh, 
how to work uh, uh, in a more team-based approach within the community. Um, so that will be really interesting uh, to connect the, the brain and the heart, you can say. The Patient Safety Incident Response Policy at NHS England, that's a bit of a mouthful. Can you kind of um, break that down for us for any kind of lay description? Currently, the, um, the NHS has a framework in place that kind of specifies how organisations should respond to patient safety events. So how should they respond to them for the purpose of learning and improvement? Um, so that's been in place for a number of years, at least eight, ten years that's been in place now. Um, it's called the Serious Incident Framework, but this new framework, um, the one that I kind of lead on with, um, with my colleague Lauren Mosley, is um, is the Patient Safety Incident Response Framework, which is it just it's a it's just a new way of approaching this learning and improvement. So when we have a patient safety event, it's kind of really changing the processes and the way organizations go about their approach to learning and improvements. And just before we get into that new piece of work you've done, I wanna kind of reflect back on what's happened in previous years. Are we any good at doing this? Are we any good at kind of looking back at patient safety incidents and learning from them? Well, that's the the whole reason why we're, we generated this new framework. So the I think absolutely there are there are pockets across the system where people, where organizations do this really well. And in England, we also have the healthcare safety investigation branch, which conducts independent learning responses. Um, but there is an overwhelming amount of evidence that we weren't getting what we wanted to out of this framework, that we weren't engaging with those who've been affected. There's a potential there for compounded harm for families in the way that we were engaging with them after there's been a patient safety event. Um, we weren't getting very good quality investigations. The oversight of the systems was quite punitive and not giving us the culture that we that you kind of need, like the, the kind of foundation to enable us to learn and improve. So absolutely, there is good work across the system, but there is also there was also a lot of work to do and and kind of and what we tried to do was was more so look at the systems that we kind of tried to put in place with through the policy and look how they weren't they they weren't giving us what we wanted to do and we tried to change that kind of system design to enable us to get the um, better learning and improvement. And give us some examples, because obviously this is a massive field and you might have somebody, you know, taking slightly the wrong dose of a medicine at one end and you might have somebody being killed in an inpatient unit at the other end. And, you know, give us a, an example of a patient safety incident where you think it is working quite well and we are learning and maybe one where it's more difficult and more complex. I don't know if it's necessarily about the, the incident type itself, but more so about our approach to it. Under the old framework, there was organizations described being on this treadmill. So, for example, there, there were, the, the old framework requires organizations to investigate everything that meets a certain threshold of seriousness. 
So there were organizations were doing a lot of repeat investigations, quite lengthy, complex reports, where they already kind of had a good understanding of what some of the influencing factors were and where the room for areas for improvement were. But because of the resource and the churn of kind of writing the reports, because of the policy requirements, they weren't actually able to get to that improvement. Um, so what the new framework enables organizations to do is take a more proportionate um, approach to how they respond. So this this is and this is across kind of the piece really. So you know from those kind of um, you know from those kind of more complex um, responses right down to those that um, may appear you know the, that may kind of even you know been a near miss, but it's focusing more so on responding for the potential for learning and improvements rather than responding according to this level of seriousness. And your session is going to be specifically kind of thinking about the patient safety incident response and how you've been rethinking that and improving that. Why should people come along to that session at the conference? Who's that for? What are you going to be doing? I think because this is so new, I think uh, I think what the NHS is doing is something that hasn't been done before in healthcare or even in other industries, really. I think you know, um, having previously worked at the healthcare safety investigation branch and looking at how other industries investigate, there is still this um, approach in other industries to investigate everything that meets a certain threshold and have different levels of investigation. So what the NHS is doing is is unique and um, quite different. So I think it's of interest to anyone really who just wants to learn about a different um, approach to, to learning and improving because I think, you know, where we were with the serious incident framework and the um, and not getting that learning and improvement that we wanted out of it. I don't think that's just the NHS. I think that's kind of, um, you know, healthcare system wide. And so this is an opportunity to hear about something that's happening kind of right now. Um, you know, we have the results from the early adopter program, but organizations in the NHS aren't really going to be transitioning to this new framework until autumn later this year. So it's ongoing. Um, so this will be the start and then potentially, you know, in the future, we may be able to come back and talk a little bit more about how it's developing and hopefully some of the success stories um, and some of the improvements that it's bringing. Um.